give God honor. Amen. To those that are watching online via Facebook Live or YouTube, we thank and praise God for you. Come on, Hope Bowl, help me praise God for those that are watching online. In fact, get those phones out. Go ahead and share this text. Share the Hopewell experience with a, fr a friend, a family member, whoever tagged them in it, and let them come on in to experience what the Lord is doing in this place today. Happy Father's Day once again to all of the fathers in the house and those that are watching online. Come on, Hopewell. Help me praise God for all of the good fathers. Uh, Y'all not going to do this to us today. I said, help me praise God for all the good fathers. Lord, have mercy. <laughs> we have to change the narrative. All daddies, especially black daddies, are not deadbeat fathers who got kids scattered all throughout the earth and not taking care of their kids. But there are some good fathers that are taking care of their children, not just financially, but spiritually, emotionally. They are there for their kids. So help me praise God again for fathers. If you got a good baby daddy, help me praise God for them. Your good husband, a good father, help me praise God. Amen. What a blessing it is, again, to be able to celebrate fathers, amen, and the children that make us fathers. I often, You often hear me talk about and, and, and preach and teach about how this, hey, hey, nobody tap dance on my nerves like the swim sisters. Nobody can do it. They just know they got the footwork down right. Uh, but there is nothing that I would not do for those girls, and they are the reason why I get to celebrate Father's Day um, today. So glad to have my family with me this morning, my sister, my brother-in-law, and my youngest niece that just graduated from the University of Illinois at Chicago with her degree in psychology. I tell you, she was uh, growing up, you know, I've been down here majority 20 years and so growing up when I, when I would go back home she would be so excited to see Uncle Chip and she would just run upstairs and go put on the dress so that she could have on the dress when Uncle Chip came home and so she's just been she been I tease her all the time because she's been sweet all of her life I don't think she's ever gotten the whooping nothing you could just talk to her strong and she would get upset and then we'll just forget everything else and just try to comfort her because she's just been sweet all of her life and my sister my brother-in-law so glad that they are here once again there's nothing like family y'all nothing like family amen so glad for that to all of our elders and deacons our ministers and uh, uh, our mothers and to sister swims we just thank the lord once again grab your bibles and go with me to luke chapter 15 as we dive into the word of god luke chapter 15 a familiar passage of scripture um, to all of our first-time guests again we're so glad that you're here worshiping with us because you could be somewhere else but we're so glad that you're here with us today and to this 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 singing his praise team and playing as musicians man goodness they did they good singing for father's day thank you i appreciate it amen amen luke chapter 15 uh, just one verse once verse 20 going to come back and look at some other verses but Luke chapter 15 verse 20 familiar passage of scripture you all know it you learned it in Sunday school 101 Luke 15 New Living Translation the Bible reads is this so he returned home to his father and while he was still a long way off his father saw him coming filled with love and compassion he ran to his son he embraced his son and he kissed his son. I want to preach this morning from the subject, the power of a father's love. The 
power of a father's love. God, we thank you now. Um, just again for your goodness, for your grace, for your mercy, for your kindness that you have extended towards us time and time and time again. Even when we did not deserve it, you still gave it to us. Even when we deserved hell and damnation, you gave us grace and mercy. And for that, Father God, we will be like the psalmist David. We won't stop praising you uh, because, of what you, because of what you have done for us and how you continually do for us this, in spite of us, Father. God, I ask and pray that even as we approach this day and approach this text, Father, we, re we recognize the fact and we don't shy away from the fact, oh God, that some have different emotions when it comes to Father's Day. Some are um, having to recognize the fact that their father is no longer here. They're having to come to the resolve, oh God, that some would never have a relationship with their father. Some, oh God, their relationships may be up and down, Father. Some just may simply hate their father. So, God, I pray today that through your word, God, that you can help ease some of that burden, Father God. I pray that you always know what to do and when to do it, that you will send male role models into our lives. You will send uncles and, and godfathers and cousins, oh God, and, and big brothers, Lord God, that will come and step into that role of father in our lives, oh God, to help us to navigate through unknown territory. So wherever we fit on that spectrum, if we, didn't have, if we did not have a good biological father, if our biological father is no longer here, if that relationship is kind of up and down, God, we recognize the fact that we have a heavenly father that has stepped up and stepped in, oh God, and has covered us continuously. And for that, we say thank you. And it's in the strong name of Jesus we pray and all of God's people said. Hey man, say something to your neighbor. High five him. Look at him. Look at him. Hey man, give him a compliment. Hey man, as we get ready to go into the word of the Lord, the power of a father's love. Luke here, chapter fifteen, does not just start at verse eleven, but it is a parable. A parable is where Jesus teaches, he uses things that they are familiar with to be able to um, give a spiritual lesson behind it. Starts off in chapter one when it talks about the parable of the lost sheep. It talks about the parable of the lost son. It talks about the parable of the lost son and the parable of the lost coin. And so in each of those different scenarios, there is something that is lost, Mama Rita, but some way, somehow it ends up being found. And I love it because in both instances with the lost corn and with the lost sheep that there is a part that the, um, the owner has in looking and searching to be able to bring a resolve and an end of that lostness to them now being found. Now the thing that I love about it, Dr. Lane, is that it's different when it comes to the parable of the lost son. You see a pursuit when it comes to the lost sheep. You see a pursuit when it comes to the lost coin. But you don't see a pursuit of the father when it comes to the lost son. We see the pursuit with the lost sheep. We see the pursuit in the lost coin. But we don't see the pursuit when it comes to the lost son in the way that we have seen previously. The story is absolutely amazing because it shows us the extravagant love of God with application 
of how fathers are to love their children now. I know what society says. I know what goes on in our world. I know what goes on in our culture. And there's so many different things that are changing and just different stuff that are happening. We're trying to get adjusted to about it. I got to say this, that no matter how culture changes, no matter how society changes, that we have to take whatever it is that they may be uh, uh, encouraging us to do, and I like what Pastor Mike Todd says, that we have to take that and put it under the lenses of the word of God and see what God's word has to say about it. I know, I know some may not like what I'm going to say, but I'm going to say it anyway since I got the mic. Amen. That every young man, every young child, every girl, every boy, every, every, every teenage girl, every teenage boy, they need their father in their life. They need their fathers in their life. Not just for financial support, but they need their daddy in their life. Our young boys, especially our black boys, need to see a model other than Ludacris and all the other rappers that I can't pronounce their names. They, they need to have some type of example of what a man looks like. Our young ladies need to have an example and being able to receive love from a father and being able to recognize their beauty and, and being expressed from their father so that when every joker comes up and say that you're cute and you got a nice body, they're not ready to give them their bodies and, and, and settle for a nice meal at Red Lobster, but they have an example of someone that can be able to teach them how a man is to talk to them, how a man is to treat them, how I wish I had some help this morning to have an example of what, what they should look for in a man and that when he comes and approach them, how to set them themselves up that I don't fall for every okie doke and the word that he says but I look at the actions and the behaviors that they exhibit yeah, yeah, yeah. every boy every girl need their daddy I'm 38 years old I have my own money I got my own own bills I got my own house I got my own family but there is still areas in my life where I still need my there, there are moments where I'm trying to do something and don't recognize how to do it. I have to call Willie Earl Swims and ask him how to do a certain thing. No matter what I achieve in life, I, there are still areas in my life where I still need my father. Anybody can tell me how proud they are of me, but there's something when Willie Swims says he's proud of me. Every other person can tell me I'm doing a great job as a husband and a father, but there is something when my daddy tells me I'm doing great. We need the love and the affirmation of fathers. And in this story, in this story, in this story today, we see the power of a father's love. The story starts off that there's two sons living good with their father. All is well. They got the newest PlayStation. They got Nikes. They got a nice house. They got a trampoline in the back. They have friends over to come and play for Juneteenth, all that good stuff. They're living good. They're living well. And one day, all of a sudden, the younger son makes a declaration. He says, Daddy, I want my inheritance, and I want it right. Now, you have to understand, in this culture at this time, this is very disrespectful language. 
that very disrespectful language because literally what he's telling his father is, I wish you were dead. Because according to the culture at the time, you either got your inheritance at the beginning or you got it at the end once your parents was deceased. And majority of the time, the inheritance that you received was land. So he makes up in his mind, he says, hey, daddy, I'm tired of being under your leadership. I'm tired of being under your rules. I'm tired of being under your regulations. I'm going to go ahead and put up the church finger and go ahead and dip out. But as I'm dipping out, Miss Tammy, I want all of my inheritance right now. Now, when you look at the text, the, story, the, the text says that the father does not argue with the son. The father does not try to negotiate with the son. The father does not say, hey, son, I don't really think you know what you're asking for right now. You don't realize how much this land is worth right now. But if you just hold on just a little bit, this land will be worth so much more later on. For you to ask for it right now, I really don't think you want to do that. But the Bible says the father does what? Agree to divide his wealth between his two sons. Here's the first lesson that we can learn from the story, saints of God, that sometimes a father's love requires an agreement without exclusion. The father agrees to give it his son, his part of his inheritance, prematurely. But look at it, saints. He gives it to him, but he does not exclude his son. Parenting, those that have been parenting for a while, those that have had children, and you've been navigating different seasons in the lives of your children, sometimes you have to come to a place to be able to recognize the fact, even though I don't agree with their bad decisions, I recognize the fact that they're older now. I recognize the fact now that they are maturing in some areas in their life, and they think they have it all together. And the best thing that I can be able to do is agree with them, even though I don't agree with them. I have to agree with them, even though I recognize the fact that the decisions that they are making are premature and kind of stupid. But I'm going to agree with them, but I'm not going to exclude them. It is very well possible, fathers, to be able to disagree with your child. It is very well possible, fathers, to be able to agree to disagree with your child and different decisions that they're making in their lives and not exclude them from the family and not, like, and not isolate them from the family and not treat them as if they are the black sheep of the family simply because they did something that you really didn't agree with but you went along with it anyway because you recognize the fact they're older now, they're growing up now. I'm going to allow them to be able to get what they really feel that they should have. So he releases his son. Get this, you all. This text is so rich. He releases his son to himself without interjecting advice. He releases his son to himself without saying, hey, son, if you go out there, you ain't got no life insurance, you ain't got no health insurance, you ain't got no job, you got everything that you need here at home. He does not interject anything, Dwayne. He releases him unto himself because the father recognizes the fact that some lessons are best learned from out of the house. Right. 
the father recognizes the fact that some lessons that he will have to learn in life, he will have to learn them outside of the house. Sometimes, saints, that we all have been there, we all have been there, and you don't have to say nothing, just keep looking at me, and you won't feel guilty at all, but we all have been there, that we thought that life was out, that life was better outside of the house. Somebody here right now kept saying, I can't wait till I turn 18. Oh my gosh, as soon as I walk across that stage, it's two deuces and a thumbs up. I'm out of there. I'm packing up my stuff. In fact, I ain't packing up nothing. I'm leaving everything and getting my own car and getting my own place and do what I want to do, eat what I want to eat, come in when I want to come in. And you get out there in the world and life started life and you realize rent is due every month. You mean my Amory bill got to be in my name? <laughs> I got to have insurance, renter's insurance, car insurance. I got to eat. And I don't get late. I don't qualify. And there were lessons that you learned once you got out, that even, not even years later, a few months later, you wished and you dreamed about how well you had it back home. That's why I encourage children now, don't you rush your way to get out of your house. If your parents didn't own you about moving out and you being respectful and you doing what they ask you to do, you stay your little happy tail right there and you save up your money and you do what you have to do and you go along with that. And then when it's time to lunch out and to go out, you can lunch out real big and be all bad on yourself. But don't rush out the house. Make sure that you take advantage and you appreciate everything that you have in the house because once you're out, you may not be able to go back out there and once you go out there into the world and life starts life and life does not stop life anymore the father releases the son without interjecting any comments fathers 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 can you respect your child's poor decisions without making them feel like you're rejecting them fathers can you respect your child's poor decisions and not exclude them fathers can you respect your child's poor decisions and not isolate them fathers can you respect your child's poor moves and not treat them as if they're scum of the earth he goes out there when you study this text, the Bible says that as soon as he left, commentary says that as soon as he left, the father went out on the prowl. He didn't leave his porch, but he looked out every day, all the time, anticipating the return of his son. Why does he anticipate the return of his son? Because he anticipates the return of his son because he realized my son was not ready for what the world had to offer. My son was not ready for life to be life and for the world that was out there. He recognized the fact and realized I had to release him unto himself even his poor decisions so that he could be able to learn some lessons outside of the house. Father, sometimes we have to Agree to disagree, but not exclude them. We have to agree to disagree and not isolate them. 
we have to agree to disagree and not make them feel like they're in this world all by themselves. We have to agree to disagree and not abandon them. Father's love sometimes requires an agreement with, uh, without exclusion. But then secondly, a father's love also demonstrates heartfelt care, concern, and affection. It's right here in verse 20. Bible says that after he goes out there into the world, life starts life, and he's begin to experience all some things that's going on and going on in the world. He goes out there. Verse thirteen says a few days later, this, the younger son packed up all his belongings. That's a good father because listen, you want to go, you leave my tissue, you leave my toothpaste, you just go out there how you came into the world. Hey, Slade, don't do that, y'all. I'm just joking. <laughs> Younger son packed up all of his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all of his money in wild living. There it is, saints of God. I told you from the beginning that probably what he inherited was land. So he went and took the land. God, when you own land, you got to keep it. That's a good word for somebody right there. When you got land, you got to be able to keep it. He takes the inheritance of the land, and he goes and sells it. He takes the money, and the Bible says that he goes and he spends all of his money in wild living. I can only imagine with my sanctified imagination what this brother did. He traveled all over the world. Oh, my gosh, he went and got him a car. Oh, my gosh, he went all over the cities. He went to the hottest clubs. He went to the hottest dance parties. And everybody, when he walked in, they knew that he was there. It was drinks on the house for everybody. He could get whoever it is that he wanted. He, he was dressed the way. He had the money. He had all of those things. But soon, the Bible says, about the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. Life now begins life and for this brother. He recognizes he gets to a place. I thought I knew what I was doing. He takes everything that his father gave him. He went out there. He spends it all and he does not have anything saved at all. Not even a can of Jiffy and some jelly and two slices of bread to make a sandwich just to be able to make it through the famine. He has nothing at all and a famine comes. There's no social services for him to go to. There's no church to go to to get a benevolence. There's nowhere for him to be able to turn. The Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says, he persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed pigs. Look at verse 16. The young man became so hungry that even the pies he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything at all. This brother is out there. Life is life, and he's out there by himself. He's out there on his own. I'm sure about this time he's recognizing and thinking, was I really ready for this? Man, was I really ready for this? I'm out here. I was doing well at home. I mean, my parents weren't tripping about nothing. I, I, I mean, I had everything all together. And here I am right now. Everybody I kicked it with is nowhere around. They ain't got nothing. I can't come sleep on their couch. I can't get a piece of chicken. I can't get nothing. I'm out here in this world all by myself. The Bible says, look at the end of verse, uh, uh, verse 15. The Bible says, but no one gave him anything. No one 
gave him anything. I believe that sometimes God orchestrates the affairs of our lives for us to be able to get down to the bottom of the bottoms. I mean the, the basements of the bottoms all the way down there and you don't know how you will be able to get up. Nobody will help you. Nobody will give you anything. No one will encourage you. No one will give you a word. I believe sometimes God will allow us to get to places like that in our life so that we can be able to come to find out this is not just the God of my mother. This is now my God. Sometimes tough times and tough situations challenges us and push us to come to know God for ourselves because I believe it now. This brother is there all by himself. No one gives him nothing at all. But look at verse 17. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants had food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. This brother has an epiphany. Something goes off, and he recognizes and says, wait a minute now. The hired help that works at, for my daddy is living better than me, and I'm his son. He recognizes the fact that here I am right now sitting in a bunch of mess. I'm feeding pigs. I have nowhere to stay. So after I feed the pigs all day, I smell like the pigs. And I have nowhere to be able to go and shower and refresh myself from smelling like the pigs. It doesn't make a difference because the next day I got to get up early, go back out there, and take care of the pigs and smell like them all over again. I'm not getting no date with nobody because I've been working feeding pigs all day and I smell like pigs because I have nowhere to go and take a shower. But it was not until he was in this stinky stuff in his life that he came to his senses to be able to recognize the fact that I don't need to be here. I should not be at the state that I am in my life right now. And here it is, fathers. Here it is right here. Here's a lesson for us to be able to learn right here. Sometimes we cannot be helicopter parents and just pop in and fly in and save our children from everything. Sometimes we have to show tough love and allow them to be able to get in some stinky spots in their life so that the stink can be able to get to their nostrils and causes them to recognize the fact I don't have to live like this. Life could be different for me back home if only I could be able to go back home. But we, we, but we, but, but if we interrupt and jump in and save our children from this, they are never experience God bringing them up from the stinky places. They will never be able to recognize and appreciate the stinky places in their life. If we come in with potpourri and spurring everything down. Because it's not until he got there that he came to his senses. 
And somebody in here can be able to say, Pastor, I know exactly what their brother is dealing with because that was me. I was stubborn. I was hard-headed. I was prideful. I went out there, thought I was big enough and bad enough to be able to do what I wanted to do. But then one, once life started life, I became, I, I, I recognized the fact, and it took a few things for to be able to shake me up and to get my attention, to cause me to set my hope and my affections back to home. Look at verse 18. He says, I'll go back home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, but please take me as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. He was filled with love. He was filled with compassion. He was filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son. He embraced his son. And he kissed him. I got some help this morning. I ain't mad at him. He's saying, preach, God, daddy, preach. That's what he's saying. A father's love has to demonstrate heartfelt care, concern, and affection. Let's turn the camera and look at this father for a second. The father is in pain. Because by my son asking for his inheritance now, he's saying that I don't matter to him. After everything I've done for him up until now, I don't matter to him. Word has traveled around the village, Sister Preacher, that the young boy had asked for his inheritance early. And it's embarrassing because when he goes out to the farmer's market on Saturday mornings, people are whispering and talking. When he goes out to eat at the church on Sundays, people are looking and saying, hey, how you doing, brother, praying for you? But they're going behind scenes and talking about him. When he shows up to church to be able to serve the one place that he should be able to get comfort and care, they're talking about him. He's been shamed by everybody that's around him, and he's dealing with the pain of what his son has done to him. And get this, there is no one for him to be able to talk to. And despite his pain, despite of the agony, in spite of the embarrassment, the father never allows that to taint his care, concern, and affection for his son. Despite the pain, despite the shame, despite the embarrassment, it does not stop the outward expressions of care and concern and affection that he has for his son. Fathers, despite how disappointed you may be in your child's decision, do they still know that you care? Do they still know that you're concerned about them? Do they still receive warm embraces when they come into your presence? Even though they recognize the fact and they realize, I know daddy is beyond mad about what I've done. I know daddy is disappointed about the decisions that I've made, but I know that his love and his concern and his care and his affection is still there. Or how we allow what they have done and the disappointment and the shame and the embarrassment to taint how we treat our children. Yeah. 
because we're more concerned about what people have to say that we ostracize them and not deal with them at all. Notice that when the son comes, the Bible says, the Bible says in verse 20, that as he saw his son a long way off. You have to understand men in this time, in this culture, they wore, they wore long robes. They wore long gowns. It was just their daily wear. And as he's wearing this, he's an older man now. And the Bible says that he, the Bible says that he takes off and he runs after his son. Folks, look at this, this. What is this old man doing? Pulling up his road, running down the road. But he saw his son. And I gotta believe, saints. I, I gotta believe, saints, that while his son was away, his son was doing life, and life was doing its son. I gotta believe that all, all the while, the father, the son was gone. That the father was yet still praying for his son. He was believing and hoping that one day my son is gonna come back home. He was praying and believing God protect my son while he's out there. I know he wasn't ready for certain things. I know, I know he's not, he's not mature enough yet. But God, I need you to cover him. God, I need you to protect him. And some of us right now, the reason why some things did not get. Us, the reason why some things we were avoided, some the reason why some things we do even have to deal with is because we had a praying father, we had a praying mother, we had praying grandparents that was calling our name out before the Lord, that was pleading the blood of Jesus. I want to encourage some parent right now. I don't care what state in life your kids may be in and how they may have hurt you and disappointed you. Don't you may stop talking to them, but don't you stop talking to God about your kids. You keep on calling it before God you keep pleading the blood and I know some things may not change I know some things may not look the way that you want them to look but you keep on calling out their name I know it's old school but you better plead the blood of Jesus over your kid and say the blood the blood the blood the blood drench them in your blood God God protect them from things that they may set up for themselves Bible says that when he saw his son he ran to his son. He embraced his son. He hugged his son. And he kissed him. All of this, thank you, Holy Spirit, was done without the father even knowing if his son had repented or not. <laughs> He ran to him. He hugged him. And he kissed him. Without even knowing, Jerrion, if the son had confessed his sins and had repented for what he'd done. The father's concern, the father's care, the father's affection had no prerequisites at all. He was just glad to see his son. Our children... Our children need to know, especially our young men, our, our young boys need to know how to be able to get a hug from daddy and it don't be nothing twisted. I'm a grown man and I still hug my daddy. I kiss him on top of his head. I'm a grown man. My daddy is grown and he's a man and I'm a man. But I will still go and hug my father and kiss him on the top of his head because he's taught me how two men can be able to embrace Daughters need to know how to be embraced from their fathers. Can you imagine what that hug meant to him? 
walking down the road, coming up to the house, probably thinking to himself, I'm so ashamed, I'm so embarrassed. How can I even go home? I done, I ain't got, I ain't got a penny. I done spent everything. <laughs> I ain't got nothing to show for it. He's walking. Then he starts looking up. Was this man running down the road? He probably backing up. I would have been backing up too. Where was this running down the road? <laughs> Father recognizes him and he's running to him. The father does not approach the son and saying, I knew you'd be back. <laughs> you what you what you what you 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 weren't made for the streets anyway. <laughs> I, I knew that life was gonna tear your tail up, but you was gonna end up back here at the house. He didn't tell the son, oh, man, I, I'm so ashamed. Don't, 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 even stay, don't even walk up on my porch. The way you shame me, the way you embarrass me, and you have the audacity to come back home and you ain't got nothing to show for it. Not even a father's day car. You're going to show up back at the house and you have nothing to show for what you spent? Nothing was said like that from the father. He ran to him. He embraced him, and he kissed him. At that moment, it did not matter what the son had done. All that mattered to the father that my son that was one lost has made it back home. I've been praying and believing for my child to come back home, and now my son is back in my arms. Who am I talking to today? That there is some child that you need to, there's some father that needs to run to their child and embrace them and hug them and kiss them and allow for them to sob in the arms of their father and the care and the concern of their father and knowing that I have been forgiven and that now I have a fresh start that my past is done and now there's a future that lays a hold for me. Who am I preaching to this morning? Because some of us in here can be able to testify. That's my testimony. Jesus came and found me right where I was and I fell in love with him on the dance floor and he changed my life. He did not condemn me. He didn't bring up my past. He just said, my son, my daughter, I love you. Now forget about your past. Now here's a new future. story don't stop right there verse 21 says his son said to him father I've sinned against you both heaven and you and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son but his father said to the servants quick bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet kill the calf that we have been fattening we must celebrate with the feast for the son the son of mine that was dead has now returned to life he was lost but now he is found so the party began not only a, the power of the father's love sometimes has to be ha, must uh, requires an agreement without exclusion uh, it, 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 it demonstrates heartfelt concern care and affection but here's the last 
last thing, saints of God, a father's love demonstrates undeserved kindness and acceptance. Here it is, saints of God. It's right there in verse 22. As soon as the son gets back on the scene, he says, hey, get me a ring, get me a robe, that whole calf that we were saving for church anniversary. Put that bad boy out right now. Cook it, get it ready, get some size. We are going to celebrate because my son is now home. I like what Pastor Rich Badalva says. He says the son does not return home because of a love for his father. He's coming back home because he's broke and hungry and the father is okay with that. Y'all miss what I just said. The father, the son is not coming back home because he has a renewed love for his father. He's coming back home because life has been lifing and he has no money and he has nothing to eat. And the father is okay with that. Fathers, when your son, when your children come out, when you reconnect with your child, can you accept the reasons for why they're back and not come up with something else? Can you just rejoice in the fact that they're back home, safe and sound? They're not coming up in here until they give me a 30-page thesis about why they should not have done that. They're not coming back in here until they stand before the church and never understood this and apologize to the whole church for what they have done to me. They're not coming back in here until they go on Facebook Live and TikTok and Instagram and everything and go and tell the world that I'm sorry for what I've done to my father. He's broke. He's hungry. And he's home. Father is okay with that because the father's concern was my child is back home and because my child is about is back home I'm about to hook him I'm about to give him a ring. I'm about to give him a robe. I'm about to give him a royal party because we are so ecstatic that my child is back home. He was waiting to be able to celebrate his son for being back home regardless of the reasons, regardless of the, uh, 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 of the situation. He was just glad that his son was back home and he was ready to give him undeserved kindness and acceptance. Based off the fact that his son was now home. He looked beyond his failures and mistakes and showed him a new future that he had. He showed grace. He showed mercy. And he demonstrated instant forgiveness. Sounds like somebody I know. He showed grace. He showed mercy. And he demonstrated instant forgiveness. Sounds like somebody that we sing about on Sunday. He showed grace. He showed mercy. And he showed instant forgiveness. Not once does the father bring up what he did. Not once does the father pull up receipts about what he spent. But he showed grace. He showed mercy, and he showed instant forgiveness. You and I have not really forgiven if we keep pulling up receipts about what they've done. He showed grace, he showed mercy, and instant 
forgiveness. By accepting him and giving him undeserved goodness and kindness that he didn't even deserve. All of us in here can be able to testify to that. We've been shown grace. We've been shown mercy. And we've been shown instant forgiveness. I should have 100% participation this morning. I said we've been shown grace, <laughs> mercy, and instant forgiveness. We've been afforded opportunities that we did not even deserve, but because of his grace and his mercy, and his instant forgiveness. We've been given chances that we should not have been given, but because of his grace, his mercy, and instant forgiveness. But Father, am I preaching to you this morning that you're saying, well, when they get, them, when they get themselves together, then we can talk. No, you go to your child. You don't wait for them to come to you. You go to that son. You go to that daughter. Even if I don't know who I'm talking to, even if you have to apologize and you feel like you've done no wrong, you don't realize those words, I'm sorry, can break so much. Oh, they owe me. They need to tell me. No, no, no. You go to them. don't stop going until it gets reconciled. You don't stop pursuing until you realize this thing has been broken and now we're on the track to a healthy relationship with pastor. That's not the story. My child has been out there. They're doing this and they're doing that. Yes, you have to show tough love. Yes, but when they come back home, how will you receive them? In fact, do they even know that they can come back home? Bruno, Bruno Mars said the best, leave the door open. Leave the door open. Leave the door open. That we, we, we know what Bruno was talking about, pray he gets saved, amen. But, 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 but in this context, leave the door open for your child to come home. Leave the door open for your child to be able to come home where they can know that home is a safe place that I can be able to come and lay my head. That home is a place where I can be able to receive love and acceptance. That home is a place where I can be able to come and get the warm embrace of my father. That home is a place that if I got nowhere else to go, I can always go home. Won't be no questions asked. They just be glad that I'm there. Fathers, can we practice? Parents, can we practice leaving the door open for our children to come back? They have wandered off. They may have done this. They may have done that. They may be caught up with some stuff that you know that they should not be in and they know they shouldn't be in. But can we leave the door open as an extension of grace and mercy and forgiveness? I've been, I've been in Carbondale 20 years. Still got kids in my parents' house. I walk up in there. 
They'd be shocked. You still got a key? Yes, I still got a key. <laughs> I just walk in, baby. Walk in. But it's a reminder. I ain't got nowhere else to go. I can always go home. I want to pray. I want to pray for for father-children relationships. I want to pray right now for strains in relationships with fathers and their children. I want to pray. I want to pray. I want to pray. And even for some, thank you, Holy Spirit, even for some that, listen, Pastor, I get what you're saying, and this would have been great, but my but my father is gone. Now, what do I want to, what do I do? Now, I want to pray that God can help you to resolve those things, even if they're gone from here. Father, in the name of Jesus, I lift up every father and son relationship, every father and daughter relationship, Father God. I give it to you today. I give them to you today, Father God. I ask and pray, oh God, that there can be mutual forgiveness on both ends, Father God. I pray that there can be mutual restoration, Lord God, reconciliation, oh God, in the name of Jesus, Father God. I pray that the father will be in pursuit and be the first one to say, I am sorry. I pray, oh God, I pray that the children will be open to receive and receptive to what the Father has to say, oh God. They may have not done everything right, God. They may have been young at the start of their fatherhood, but God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you can restore relationships, God, that you can be able to put it back together the way that it needs to be. Father, I pray for those right now, their fathers may be deceased and they left here, oh God, with unresolved issues with their children, Father, and I pray that now the child is left here trying to navigate through all of the emotions and the feelings. I pray now, Father, in the name of Jesus, oh God, that they will cast all of their cares upon you. Father, that if it takes therapy, that it's okay. If it takes prayer and therapy, that it's okay. If it takes prayer, fashion, and therapy, that it's okay. If it just takes therapy, it's okay, God, to help them to work through. experience freedom, Lord God, emotional freedom. I pray right now in the name of Jesus, oh God, that that Father, Lord God, that may have a strong stance, oh God, that you will soften their hearts so that their son and daughter will come home, that they know their home is, is a safe place, oh God. Soften their hearts, Lord. that you restore relationships. I pray for that parent, oh God, that's been embarrassed by what their child has done, God. They're they're, they're hurt by what their child has done. God, I pray that even though they may not be talking to them, oh God, but they never stop talking to you about them. I pray for that parent that's been praying for their child, Father, and it seems that the more they pray, the worse that they get. So they say, why why even pray? God, I pray that they won't stop praying. I pray that they will connect with other individuals, oh God, that will come alongside of them, oh God, and help them pray for their child. Give every father wisdom, Lord, on how to effectively, godly, and lead their children. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And I pray, Father God, that whatever may be broken within that Father, that you restore it. 
that they don't have to be in competition, Lord God, because of what their father did not do, God. Restore it within them, Lord. Restore it within them, Father. We thank you now. And it's in the strong name of Jesus we pray. And all of God's people said, amen. Clap those hands real good. Clap those hands real good.